0: Hey confidants, it's Teresa, the host of You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast you're listening to right now. This is the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. It's a 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Um, happy birthday, America. Uh, I'm not going to get too into, you know, America's just kind of growing pains right now. Um, but I hope you guys are having a safe 4th of July. Um, and before I get to the episode just want to let you guys know uh, I am doing a PayPal confidant newsletter now if you want to get the monthly newsletter you can go in and out um, five dollars a month um, it's not recurring so you can five dollars this month and then never do it again and then you'll get the newsletter this month uh, any donation before the fifth of the month which is today if you send me a PayPal donation paypal.me slash you can tell me anything. or more, I will include you on the Confidant newsletter going out next week. And let me tell you, I'm going to put some videos, um, some cool stuff from my trip to Hawaii uh, last month. So definitely join that if you want to look at some cool stuff and a personal letter from me. And then also, you can rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all of that stuff. I don't know if you can rate it on Google Play, but if you have an Android, and you want to rate it, that's cool too. Uh, But definitely do it on iTunes if you have that because that really helps helps the show out. And if you screenshot your five-star review with a written review to me, send it to me on Instagram at Larissa T or at Tell Me Pod, or email it to me, TellMeAnythingPod at gmail.com. I will give you a private personal confession. These are fun for me to do because I love to connect to you. So definitely do that if you have a moment and you haven't yet. All right, guys. I'm gonna get to the episode. This is a real fun episode. I sat down with the comedian and writer Elise Morales from New York City. We've known each other since a very long time ago when I used to live in New York and she was in town. So we did an episode and it's real fun. Check it out. Bye. You can t-
1: If you can tell me anything, this is the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. Uh, I'm really excited because today we have a special guest all the way from New York City. She hosts a show called The Roast of Your 15-Year-Old Self, which I've done before many years ago. Mm. It's really fun. Um, comedians will basically roast um, their teenage selves, and it's a lot of trauma and a lot of <laughs> comedy. And it's a really good time. So you should check her out and check out that show. It's Elise
2: Morales. Hello. Excited to be here <laughs> in a non-traumatic
1: <laughs> I know. I don't know if I capture. I'm like my teen. I feel like my teenage years were traumatic, but I'm sure not everybody's is that traumatic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, y- you know, it's very funny. Like whenever people write up the show or talk about it, they're always like relive the mortifying years. <laughs> <laughs> Those <most laughs> mortifying years of your life. And I'm always like, I hope that people think that this seems fun because it is so fun we do have fun we have a good time (laughs) yeah
1: there's something really um fun about like it's like therapeutic in a way to just like kind of well also because in therapy literally a lot of the time you spend is just about childhood
2: yeah and like similar to this show I think there's power in like talking about these embarrassing things that you did and being like I own them now like I can make everybody (laughs) laugh about the this thing that like a lot of the times, the stuff that I talk about on the show, like like plays that I didn't get into and all that stuff, yeah. were so I was so like it was not a joke to me then. Oh you know? no, for
1: sure, yeah. Christine um, Rondano, who's now my roommate, but she used to she was one of the first guests on this pod, and mm-hmm. one of her confessions, or her confession was that she like didn't get into this um, uh, play. I think it was a play, but it was like a theater company she was mm-hmm. auditioning for, and like she still like thinks about it. From like you were like eleven, there's like. But the um, effect it would have had on your life has long like panned itself out. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: (laughs) But you just, you know, it's hard. Well, there are sometimes, there are some
1: memories that never really go away. Like little Mm. regrets where I'm like, I know it's irrational to like be hung up, but I'll still think about it and be like, if I could go back and do this slight thing differently, like everything would change. And it's not true, but.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, if I could have just been... The baker's wife in Oakton High School's production <laughs> of uh, Into the Woods. Shit would have been different for me. <laughs> Were you a big musical theater? I person? was a theater kid in general, like like very much involved in the school theater program. That was my like whole jam. But um, I I'm not. I'm like, OK, at singing, but I mostly am just like not confident at singing. So uh-huh. I would always when it came time to audition for the musical, like I just couldn't get it together to sing these songs. <laughs> It is,
1: uh, like, confidence is really what gets you into school plays because um, most middle school and high school kids are not great at singing or it's not developed yet. Yes,
2: so it's, like, but I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't, I I was literally, like, thinking that these plays were actual masterpieces that were being performed, and so I was, like, I was, like, oh, my God, I'm just never going to sing on the level needed for this play when it's, like, no, actually, you can get into a high school play if you just, like, talk to a rhythm, so, like, <laughs> but I was convinced that I couldn't do it. So I would always be in like the play plays, like the straight plays. That's oh, where okay. I would get my like larger roles. And then the musicals I would always be like the funny random I was Glinda in The Wizard of Oz. That oh, was my big great. one. That was the big that was my <laughs> big score.
1: <laughs> I did a lot of um dance part so i would get like the dance solo and cabaret yes. and whatever and then then i would that's my way in with the theater kids and then i was social enough to be friends with the leads so then I'm, i was around but then yeah. i i never like felt like i was like an actor in, mm-hmm. in high school
2: yeah it's um it was interesting we had like a very in a very intense theater program in a way for like a public school just because the guy who ran it was an intense individual <laughs> and he was like kind of crazy he would like um anytime we had an assignment in the class like it would be like you have to tell a scary story and you have to perform it or whatever he would do the assignment for us first and show <laughs> us what a 100 percent would be he was like so this he would just be a wanted to perform exactly and he's like okay so this would be a 100 and then like he would just- <laughs> <the> assignment <laughs> thinking about like
1: (laughs) high school teachers that you idolize and then remembering how like that they're just adults who like need attention is like so funny. Yeah, like this man (laughs)
2: definitely changed my life, put me on the course, like the path that I'm on to doing all those things. And also the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, oh, he was deeply crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it's like you don't have to. Not that. No, I mean, I think teaching kids, especially high school, it's so admirable. But there is something about like, taking it so seriously like treating it like high art um to high schoolers that it's like something about your growth might be stunted and again i'm like please i mean feel free to uh, come at me actually because i'd love to hear the other perspective (laughs) but i i say this in like i admire all of my high school teachers and i really did look up to them Mm -hmm. and still do and really like am grateful but just like there's something about like i will only affect young minds yes uh but very Take it very seriously. There's something about it that I'm like, you're kind of holding yourself back. <laughs> yeah,
2: like, why don't you want to be with adults though? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or or, yeah. a, or
1: something sad about just always teaching one certain age, because mm-hmm. it's like you don't get to follow them on. And and mm-hmm. it is very admirable. They just go through. Them. Like, yeah, I kind of want to see them go on. Yeah, interesting. Um, uh, do you have a good confession? I always start with a good confession yes. This is just like a humble brag A way for the listeners to
2: get to know you Okay um, My good confession is that I've been really getting into these SNS powder manicures Ooh, I noticed your nails And I, I think say that something. they're really pretty And it's been the first time in my life That I've been like a fancy nail lady uh-huh. And it's really I think helping me In my life like confidence-wise, yeah? Yeah, it makes me feel like when I get out of bed and I see that my nails are like these pretty, this pretty color and a nice shape, I'm like, <sighs> it makes you, me feel can good. Can you explain SNS powder for people so who So it's basically like, you, you know, like gel manicures? Yeah. So it's kind of a different version of the gel manicure. They dip a little, you like pick a color for this powder and then uh-huh. they dip the brush in this powder and like put the powder on your nail and it makes kind of like the gel nail and it's ultimately better for your actual nails health because the like the gel manicures can like actually like rip it up and stuff and it's basically the same price and I just really like it and I really like the like feeling that it gives I can like tap on things and make a sound
1: it looks really nice yeah there's some power in it I Mm -hmm. I love having my nails done but I very rarely do I only I'll get them done before events um, yeah or like auditions or something and it's sometimes like just like a little like token for myself. Like even though I'm sure nobody really cares on stage, but for me, I'm like, okay, if I have a big audition, I'll do my nails and then I'll feel like I have an
2: advantage. It (laughs) makes you feel like a professional. It makes, it honestly makes me feel like a professional fancy woman. I'm just like, well, here I am. I'm out. I have nails. So, For the time being, I think this is like a new thing that I'm going to be doing in my life. Because up until now, I never got manicures. I never had my nails done. I actually like bit my nails and was constantly like chewing on them. They always looked horrible. They were ripped up, Uh whatever. And then I started doing this and it's like, one, I can't bite them anymore. So they actually can like grow and be healthful.
1: What do you do? um, Because that reminds me like doing nails and doing little rituals is like a way to like kind of if I'm feeling down, get myself back into some mm-hmm. sort of like f- positive feeling. Yeah. Do you have things like
2: that? Or I don't know if that is like that for you, but do you I, have things that you like rituals you do? One things that I would do at like home is I'll like straighten my hair. Mm-hmm. I like just like, I got like one of those like, uh, heated brushes oh. that like you just like brush through the your hair and it like makes it straight. It's, it's incredible. Uh, so <laughs> I'll do that. And then I'm, I'm also like a bath person. Oh, okay. so I have like a bathtub in my apartment and I will like get a bath bomb, salts. Uh-huh. We're doing the whole thing. And I'll like those are my like ritualistic self-care things. That's really nice. Yeah, I never got into baths, but I could see how that would be very relaxing. I Yeah, I've just always been a big bath person. And then I finally got an apartment that was like my own apartment, not yeah. one that I'm sharing with like a bunch of roommates. And literally the first thing I did was like bleach the entire tub and like scrub <laughs> it and be like, you are mine now. Aww. <laughs>
1: I, um, yeah, I feel like, uh, it's good to also like kind of telegraph stuff you like. Cause I, I didn't even realize this for a while, but I love boba and I just talk Mm -hmm. about it a lot to the point where all my friends are like, that's like a thing you like. So then when I was feeling bad the other day, my friend was like, do you want me to bring you boba? And I was like, it's really nice that, cause that immediately made me smile on two levels. One, I like boba. Two, I like that my friend wanted to cheer me up.
2: Yeah. And the, (laughs) and they also knew the right thing to cheer you up. Yeah. Like they knew you well enough to be like, let's get this girl some boba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, I think
1: it's definitely good to just put out the stuff you like. Cause I mean, there's some like, I don't, it's not like shame, but I think I used to be more embarrassed about like being vulnerable. Yeah. Even like online or anything, just like being sad publicly or, um, talking about stuff I actually genuinely like without a joke.
2: Yes. But genuinely liking things, especially in the comedy community, I feel like can be so difficult. Just like actually being like, well, I just enjoy this. (laughs) Like, I just think it's fun. Whatever. I mean, I'm a big Harry Potter person and it's been like a roller coaster. I did. (laughs) Used to write fan fiction and it's been a roller coaster of a year for us. And now people are always like, read another book. You're annoying. (laughs) And I'm like, I just want to like this book thing i just like like all the new stuff as well i do not i don't really fuck with fantastic beasts Uh i did not see the crimes of grindelwald That's not very good in my opinion yeah i just to me that's just not where it's at but i did see the play i scored some like free tickets to the play and that rocked and i had read uh the play when it first came out as like a book and i was like I don't know. I was like lukewarm about it. I was just yeah. like, eh, this is kind of whatever. And then I actually like saw the physical play and I was like, this was awesome.
1: It's really hard for Broadway to go wrong. Like, I, I mean, I guess that's technically West end to Broadway, but yes. like any Broadway show, even the ones that I'm like, eh, I don't know about this one. Like I'm sure the minute you get in there, Oh you're yeah. Like, oh, this is like the best of the best.
2: And it's crazy. What Like the, just the special effects situation was so crazy that it's hard to not be interested in at least that like there were some special effects genuinely where I was like, I don't know how they did that. Like, I I honestly don't know how they like got this person from here to there so fast or like (laughs) how they made this person disappear or whatever. Like it was cool. Like Phantom of the Opera level i feel like even i feel it's like the game has been raised That's by true. the stuff that they did in this because it's it's crazy and it's like eight hours long what <laughs> yeah it's two plays and you have an intermission during. so it's like part one and you have an intermission during part one in the uh-huh. middle and then after the end of part one there's a long intermission for like three hours oh whoa. and then you come back and you see part two and there's an intermission in the middle of part two it's it's, Wait, so it's like a day yeah it's an entire day or you do it over two separate nights but it's like a whole what? it's like an I eight hour no long idea. experience yeah it's crazy wait so what
1: do people do for three hours you just <laughs> have me, dinner
2: yeah me and my uh my podcast co-host brian we just like went and had dinner and like sat there <laughs> and then came like smoked weed and then went back
1: wow <laughs> like, that's so funny now it makes sense one of my friends said um she was going to new york because her like aunt got her tickets to the harry potter play and she was just going for that and i was like Interesting to just go for a play, but that makes more sense if it's like an eight hour event. It's an eight
2: hour event of <laughs> epic proportions. Wow. And it is it is really great. The actual story of the play is like whatever, but the way that they put it on the stage is crazy.
1: I should have done that. I was in New York recently and I went to see Wicked for the first time. Like I hadn't seen it oh, at that's all fun. since I went there. So I went just to be like, okay. Well,
2: I mean, Curse Child is also insanely expensive because you have sure. to buy two Broadway tickets. They don't even do di- oh, it. it counts as two plays. It counts as two plays. Oh, they charge weird. you like it's two plays. So I never would have seen it if it hadn't been that like someone gave us free tickets through my podcast.
1: That's so, crazy. You have yeah. to buy two tickets, but you can't buy them individually.
2: No, you have <laughs> to, you have to, yeah, you have to buy two tickets. Like, I don't think you can just buy a ticket for part one.
1: Oh, that's so weird. I had no idea. Well, the more you know, I yeah. mean, I'm sure I feel like I'm not a true Harry Potter fan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's great. It's great. You got to find your ways to engage in the universe. The best I like
1: stand the books really hard and I did yeah. watch them. Um, Fantastic Beasts, even though I didn't love it. But I like, I think of the new of as just like fan fiction that she wrote.
2: That's exactly how I feel about it. And like, if you think about it like that, then you won't find yourself getting too like upset. Like, I don't get mad. Yeah, I don't, I take it or leave it. Like, I'm yeah. not like,
1: this is canon. I'm just like, eh, but it's not. Like- yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't
2: really care about that, whatever. If it's not like included in the books or the movies, it's just like not really on my radar right. as part of the world. But I'll have fun and I'll go see a fun yeah. play. And I did see the first Fantastic Beast, but Crimes of Grendelwald did not interest me in the slightest. Yeah, and it wasn't I, great. I just couldn't.
1: I do like Eddie Redmayne. I do but. like Eddie Redmayne.
2: I think that Eddie Redmayne's great. I wish him all the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you go to therapy? I do, yes. I go I go to therapy for myself once a week and then me and my boyfriend have gone been going Whoa, to couples therapy that's so
1: interesting I've thought it, well I just got out of a relationship but when I was in one mm-hmm. we were just like trying to be very open and I thought about doing that and, and I love therapy I mean obviously I talk yeah. about it on this podcast all the time but we we didn't get to that point um, but I'm interested in that because I think most mm-hmm. of the time people think of couples therapy as like you've hit a roadblock or you're uh, married and it's like years down the road but I've like really believe in people doing it before they even get to that point. And I don't think as many young people do it, but I think it's a very good practice.
2: Yeah, I think I personally have found it really helpful. I mean, we started doing it for a combination of factors. One being that, like, we're getting more and more serious about, Mm -hmm. like, what's going to happen in our future. And it's kind of helpful to have, like, a third party involved in some of, like, those conversations when you're trying to figure out, like, what that's going to look like. And then also, yeah, like, we were... You know, you're three years in, you're living together. We were hitting, like, some difficult, like, patches where we, like, weren't connecting and whatever. And even, I mean, we've gone, like, four or five times. And it helps a lot with, like, the communication aspect. It's We've, like, seen definite, like, changes and improvements in, like not that we like don't still argue and like get pissed off at each other, but like the way that we're able to like handle those moments has changed so much, even just in like five sessions.
1: Yeah. I think of it as like giving you the tools, like you still yeah. have to like wade through it. But, um, yeah, if you don't have the tools, then you can just feel overwhelmed by the, the challenge. Yes. Um, but therapy definitely has helped me communicate in relationships. Um, like even when things are bad, cause I think a, a big fallacy I used to have was like in a relationship for it to work. It has to like, always be good and then yes. as soon as it's bad you're like well that's a sign it's not worth it mm-hmm. and then the new me th- after therapy has been like through the good and the bad like if you're with someone your partners and you're like the whole thing is you're committed to be with each other and try to work it out until yeah. someone changes their mind and then that's like then you you know you respect that but mm-hmm. but that was the uh, that totally shifted my perspective because i yeah. used to think if i hit a roadblock that was it it's a sign and and in my last relationship it was more like okay this feels uncomfortable we've hit a roadblock but um until someone says like i don't want to be in a relationship it's like let's figure it out
2: yeah and, i think yeah. that we've definitely dealt with a lot of that stuff too of like is this fight just like a normal fight that like couples are gonna have because you live yeah. with each other and annoy each other and, and <laughs> that's what happens or is this does this mean that we should like break up and like something seriously wrong and it's hard to tell sometimes but when you have like a third party person it's to sit there and be like you guys are fine. Yeah. (laughs) It's like very helpful.
1: Well, I think that's another thing too, is putting the, um, responsibility or accountability on yourself Mm -hmm. for like, obviously there are sometimes couples that are just like, even if you love each other, it probably won't work. But I really do think if you both want to be in it, it's, it's never going to be an outside thing. That's like, this means you should break up. Yeah. It's usually just like, if someone wants to break up and they can't face that, that's really the only reason. Otherwise yeah. it's like, as long as you love each other and you want to be in it, there is like a way to work through it.
2: Yes, for um, sure. But yeah, and yeah, that's been, it's been, it's been interesting. It's an interesting experience because all my experience obviously are with like solo therapy. Yeah. So it's also, it's interesting to be in the situation with someone else and do it, you know, be in therapy with someone else. And do you
1: feel like you say different things in, in couples therapy or are you like, like, Cause I, I feel like sometimes in therapy I'll like say things about myself and I'll discover things about myself. But then also like if there's someone else there, I could, I've never done it, but I could see myself being like, Oh, I don't know if I want you to see that side
2: of me. It's end. harder. Yeah. I will say, I do think that couples therapy, it is harder to be like as 100% open about all your feelings as you would be with like, but as I would be with like my therapist, yeah. like, like there, there are definitely times where I feel I do feel like I've held back, like the yeah. full extent of my opinion about something that has happened. Right, because you don't want to just be like I'm annoyed at you. Because that's, yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Whereas with my therapist, I'll I would be like I'm fucking annoyed because of <laughs> da 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 petty whatever thing. But I think even with that, the communication benefits are still there and what's been really interesting for me is that um my boyfriend who i'm going with he hasn't had a lot of like solo therapy experience yeah i was gonna
1: ask what his experience was he hasn't had
2: a ton of solo therapy experience so it's been like really transformative for him in a lot of ways just to like be asked the questions that you get asked in therapy yeah. and just be like and all of that stuff so it's been honestly our relationship's also stronger just from like watching him like have this like moment and i'm just like oh my god like it's so nice that you would show up and that you would do this and that yeah. you would like kind of like put yourself out there in this way so it's also like you see the other person in a positive light just because you see them like trying hard yeah and so that's also a nice thing
1: Oh, that's really yeah. nice. Well, cool. It I mean, is. It's nice to hear that because I, I always thought that it would be a good thing for people to do um, more. But it's nice to meet yeah. someone who's I'm definitely who's pro. For it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of therapy, is there anything you would like to tell me,
2: Elise? <sighs> I have thought a long time about what I wanted to confess, and this is really I th- I actually think this is something that I've never talked about with anyone. Okay. I have a baby blanket
1: whoa like from Mm -hmm. like uh you still sleep with it
2: yeah like I still sleep with it and I was a thumb sucker for like way into my adult life oh my god really yeah
1: I was like a real thumb sucker for a long time my mom used to have to put a sock on my um hand because I would suck on my thumb when I slept
2: my parents like did not address it at all and so (laughs) it like really persisted wow so how old literally into college like oh, i wow, was still doing okay. it. oh yeah like still like full full adult thumb sucker and then now like i'll catch myself doing it every once in a while but it's not <laughs> the same level but the baby yeah. blanket is real the okay. baby blanket i do need <laughs>
1: um i also had a baby blanket i quit cold turkey in college uh, i decided not to bring it i had a name for it it was called Boo, which means Yum. blanky in mm-hmm. chinese Um, Which was tough, but it helped because it was such a big transition Mm -hmm. that I was just like, big change, everything's changing. And then I was just like
2: kind of out with the old. See, that's the the crucial moment is like, (laughs) do you bring it to college? And if you make the choice to bring it to college as I did, then you are like in the baby blanket lifestyle (laughs) forever. Well, no, let's unpack
1: that. So you had this moment where you thought about it. What made you decide, no, I'm going to take it? Or was it just not even you're like, I can't even imagine a world?
2: I think... I, I think it was honestly like I can't even imagine a world where I didn't bring it. I've also like I've always been such a like light, weird sleeper The mm-hmm. the idea of like getting rid of any of my like sleep comfort things is uh-huh. like, well, I don't want to. What if I want it and what if I can't <laughs> sleep and I need because I, it's definitely like an anti-anxiety sure yeah
1: you've you've developed it's a little bit of not coping it's it's like a security
2: it's one of the ones with like the silky end and how
1: torn up is it like does it look like a blanket oh
2: okay so (laughs) that's that's a whole other thing so it's actually kind of it's not like baby blanket size it's actually like a fair it's like a regular sized blanket that i've (laughs) I've had on my bed since i was very young so it's disguised Um, a little yes and it started falling apart Years ago. Uh, and so I started what has been now this years long sewing project of like taking Aww. old T-shirts that I don't use anymore. And I'm like make I'm using the blanket as a base. And I've made one of those like t shirt quilts oh wow i just started saving up t-shirts from like festivals because i was like i
1: have all these i don't want to throw out but i don't wear them i thought about doing that but that's so i started
2: doing it it with this blanket as a way of like saving it because it has giant holes in it (laughs) so like basically now i'm like reinforcing it eventually it's gonna be like a completely different blanket except for maybe the silky end like it's like yeah it's but one it'll of those. Be, that's how people are, too. Yeah. People change
1: over yeah, time. Like exactly. You're not the same person as you were for, but you are. Yes. the same Yes.
2: The base of the blanket will still be yeah. there somewhere. But yeah, it's definitely a mess.
1: That's so interesting. Do you have a name for the blanket?
2: I've never named it, um, but no. it has followed me from. Well, I grew up actually out here in L.A. Oh, um, I didn't know that. I, I live from Delaware. So I lived in Glendale. I grew up in Glendale. My parents moved out here when they got married just because they wanted to. Then when I was 12, we moved to Virginia. Okay, And I went to University of Delaware. How old were your
1: parents when they got married?
2: Early 20s, maybe 26. 27 okay. I'm actually not 100% sure But early 20s but more like Just
1: standardy Yeah age. Okay.
2: Yeah For like that You know For that time I feel like it was Like the very Like yeah. maybe it would Be a little young For like us Millennials now Right but <laughs> <laughs> um, And then They were both From New Jersey And they were like Fuck this We need <laughs> to Leave New Jersey And so they came To LA Just because they Like wanted to Well
1: right on Yeah that's So that. that's
2: how I ended up Like living out Here for a while and, but yeah, this blanket first came into my life when we were living out here. I had had another baby blanket. That one had actually fallen apart. Uh-huh. Then I adopted this other blankets, which is why it's like kind of a bigger bed blanket. Did
1: you like hang on to it like more through your move or was there like a reason that you sort of, Did, did you remember ever feeling like attached to it or was just always there?
2: Um, Definitely started out as always there, but I always had, like, a blanket attachment. Uh-huh. Like, I'm, I don't know, I'm a Taurus. I'm, like, a comfy, uh-huh. like, woman, so I need a lot the of, like, creature comforts. Sense now. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. It's very Taurus of you. <laughs> it is very Taurus of me. And, like, I need, like, comfy living, and so I just, like especially with like nighttime and bed related stuff, mm-hmm. I develop like attachments and things have to be like a very certain way. And I have to have like the exact right pillow. And like, I have to be like positioned under my blankets in the proper way. And like, uh-huh. I have to have a white noise machine on, like all these things have to be in place. And for just such a long time, I've had this blanket and I really like, I'll, I like use it to, I, I, I like wrap it around me when I'm watching TV, all of this stuff. It's just like, my ride or die
1: <laughs> i mean the, the comfort and all that makes sense um i'm curious obviously like i'm sure this has come mm. up but what uh in relationships do you keep the blanket or has it come up before or do you have to explain it or you just say like this is my blanket and it's here
2: i had one boyfriend when I was in college who I was actually in college and he lived up in New York and I would be visiting him and I would bring the blanket and he didn't like that. And I did not listen to him. <laughs> oh, I like, packed your bag. I literally packed blanket. it. Now I don't do that was like more serious. Now I can like leave my house without like I can like go sleep other places without it and stuff. But like this is in college and I would like pack it and bring wow. it with me. And he was like you can't do this. And I was like, we're going to break up very soon. Just imagine you like,
1: because you say it's like a big blanket. It is a big like blanket. like a giant quilt around. Because this
2: was also, this was before I started turning it into the t-shirt blanket, but it's still <laughs> like a large blanket. So it was actually objectively crazy for me to bring it to New York with me, <laughs> but I like did not respect that at
1: all. Did, um... Did you have any, like, qualms about, like, washing it? Because um, I know when I was younger mm. with my blanket that I, like, attached to, like, the feel and the smell. Yeah. And so, which was really my mom's detergent, but then yes. I didn't want to wash it.
2: I wash it just because I know, that I understand that, like, it has to <laughs> be washed. I get nervous washing it just because I'm afraid it's going to fall apart because I'm, like, not actually good at sewing and I've, like, <laughs> concocted this kind of, like, weird, crazy Frankenstein blanket. And so, like... I, I have like practical concerns about washing sure, <laughs> but you don't feel like it's losing. yeah but power i don't feel like no like It i don't okay. feel that it loses anything um from being washed i actually think that the silky edges feel nicer when because there's definitely a tactile element about the like silky edge yeah. it like feels relaxing to me just to like hold on to it have you ever been like
1: having a panic attack and then you go get your blanket or is it just really for sleep
2: it's mostly for sleep, but if I'm having, like, a bad day, I do feel comforted by, like, sitting with it on the couch. Like, just, like, being uh-huh. wrapped up in it. Because it's, like, a big enough one that I can, like... It's comforting. Wrap it around. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I, um... I mean, I don't think that's
1: that uncommon. I, I haven't met many people who still have a blanket, but, like, like I had mine until I was 17, so... I don't think it's that uncommon. Mine Um, is
2: hidden like in plain sight because we like (laughs) you we have a we have like a comforter, but the we like fold it up on the bottom and like put it kind of along the like Uh bottom of the bed so that people can see like the T-shirts and stuff. So a lot of people have seen the blanket, but they don't (laughs) realize like the full extent of what the blanket is. You've
1: had it (laughs) since you were a child. Yeah, that
2: I've had it since I was a child. And I'm like, like I'm obsessed with it and like need it.
1: That's so funny. Um, In a way, I feel like I've replaced my blanket with my dog. Oh, yeah. And oh. Uh, my dog does sleep on the bed, even though I tried to train him not to. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, like, if I'm having a ba- bad day, I'll, like, i make him, like snuggle with me yeah um yeah like when i was getting broken up with i literally walked out picked up my dog didn't let him walk and i just like held him but i was like he's kind of like just a blanket like, you know? yeah it's like a live living blanket i have that poops it's yes
2: <laughs> i also like i don't know i'm i'm a better sleeper also when like someone is with me like since i've been living with my boyfriend and we like sleep in the same bed and stuff my sleep has been better uh-huh. than ever i like my whole life, I was just the lightest sleeper, like nightmare, nightmares when I was a kid, just like super scared of the dark. What like, kind of... Were there recurring nightmares or just random? There was one, the the most recurring one that I remember was, um, that the crocodile from Peter Pan was oh. swimming around the perimeter of my bed, oh, no. and like, if I didn't stay exactly in the middle of the bed, the crocodile would be able to, like, chomp me, That's so but scary. if I wasn't in the if I was in the exact middle, I was too like he couldn't get to me. but anywhere, <laughs> like on either side, he could. And that was a very scary one that happened all the time. And a lot of it was just like, not being able to fall asleep yeah, or not being able to get restful sleep. Like I would be like waking up all the time. Yeah. And I still do wake up a lot at night.
1: I had a lot of that um, that anxiety falling asleep too. And I remember like focusing on breathing and then feeling like I couldn't breathe. Cause, and now I think probably that those are minor panic attacks. Yes. But I was so little I didn't know. And then I would just tell my mom. I was like, oh, no, I don't think I can breathe. And she's like, just breathe. Yeah. Um, but I remember trying to count my breasts and not being able to fall asleep and it would just like, I would just be consumed by like, if I close my eyes, something scary is going to happen. Yes.
2: Yeah. I just, I just was like scared in my room, but I would also like. I was like, I don't know if you relate to this, but like I would get so scared, but I would also seek out so much material to scare myself <laughs> online, like being on like kind of like the early versions of like creepy pasta and all that stuff. And being oh, like,
1: no, I was opposite. I stayed away from. Oh, I would anything. like scare
2: that. I would scare the crap out of myself. I would like watch all scary shows. I would. Are you afraid of the dark? Like <laughs> uh, just like Discovery Channel things about like haunted houses. I like loved all that stuff. And then I would never be able to sleep. And I would be like, why can't I? Sleep? <laughs> I stayed away from it, but I think it's natural
1: to be drawn towards it because there's sort. It's like um trying to reveal what's behind the shadows. Yeah, you're, it's like a scary unknown, so it's easier to look at it. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I mean, for me, like I've kind of self-diagnosed that it was a lot of like needing control, um, and then putting parameters on my life because I felt like very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had that similarity. Like, did you feel like you were like, was there anything going on that you felt like you didn't have control over?
2: I. In the, I, w- I was like a very high anxiety, like angsty teen, which I talk about a lot in the roast. Mm-hmm. But and and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, which is like, it's very funny now to think about like how truly <laughs> angsty and stuff I was, but at the time it was very real to me, and I yeah. was dealing with just like a really high level of anxiety, and I did not have any tools. I hadn't started therapy or anything like sure. that, and I just did not have any tools for lessening it. So it's like. I would go to school. I would be anxious. I would Then I would go online for, like, the whole night and just, like, chat with my friends. Yeah. Uh, and stare at a computer screen. <sighs> and then I would go, at the last possible second, I would go to bed and I would try to sleep and I wouldn't be able to because my brain was, had just stared at a computer screen uh-huh. and I was already anxious. And so I think it was, like, a lot of that.
1: It's kind of like going, because... I think our generation was like really in the chat rooms and our parents didn't really get it. Yeah. But it's like, if you're at a party and you're like surrounded by people talking, yes. having animated conversations. And then, and then some of it's even like people are showing you scary things. They're like, Oh, check yeah. this scary picture out. Oh, this like sexy picture. Out. Yes. And you're just like all sorts of or like
2: intense stuff is going, like you're yeah. having intense conversations with people and stuff. It's and like, like
1: that. And then all of a sudden someone
2: just shuts off the lights and it's like, all right, bedtime. And you're like, Wait, exactly. I'm like in
1: the middle of like five conversations. It's it's crazy, and my brain
2: would just be like, uh, and I just didn't, I didn't know how to like turn my brain down and like wind, like wind it down, down. Yeah. and get to bed. And so that I think just left me to like, I would just lay in my dark room and imagine like that there was a demon or whatever, you yeah. know. And so I think that's part of why I developed all these like sleep related comforts, like sucking my thumb like having the blanket mm-hmm. all that stuff needing like the white noise machine i mean i know a lot of people need a white noise machine to sleep
1: i use a fan but it's because it's pretty loud in here but i do think i get uh i don't suck my thumb anymore and i think i broke the habit because m- my mom got was mad at me for, yeah for, or i don't she she's mad she probably just wanted the best for me but like in my mind i was like if I don't stop, my mom will be mad. And uh, so then I did stop. But it yeah, was my, comforting. It
2: was. It and was. my parents just like never said shit about it. They really? were just like, whatever, I guess she just does that. Like, I guess that's just what she's doing. I used to wet the bed too. I don't know. I'm sure all of it's related to anxiety. Yeah.
1: And then I get anxious. I used to get anxious going to sleep once I kicked the habit of wetting the bed because I was afraid that I, it would come back somehow. Yes. And even like, um when I'm really anxious, like the other day, I was so anxious. I And this hasn't happened for a while, but I literally i usually will go to the bathroom a lot before sleep just yeah. a little bit out of anxiety but this time it was like,
2: like i do you, the same thing
1: yeah and usually as an adult i can like after like the second or third time i can be like teresa you don't need to go and yeah. then just like force myself to go to sleep but the other day i was so anxious it literally i would go to the bathroom come back lie down and then immediately need to go i didn't really i need did to this go. i do
2: the same i do the same thing where i just am convincing myself that like oh well if you don't go you're just gonna keep staying up or you're gonna like yeah. piss your pants or whatever Which is so crazy because I didn't even have that problem as a kid. I did. I did pee in the bed one time in like my middle 20, like when I was like 25 Uh and I wasn't like drunk or anything. It just happened. And I was like, what? the?" I woke up and I was like, what the fuck just
1: happened? Sometimes you just have to pee. And like, it might literally be your bladder was full.
2: Yeah, I just must have slept through having I, I was just so surprised I was like yeah. oh my god but that's the thing is like rationally as an adult I'm like it's okay
1: like I'm like if I, and I'm like I don't need to pee but if I really do and I pee my pants or if I pee my bed it's fine I'm a it adult. nobody's gonna yell at me I'll clean it up
2: yeah exactly like, I'll just clean it up yeah it won't be the worst thing in the world
1: <laughs> but it's the fear that keeps me up um, and it's easy saying this now, like talking to a person, it's like, oh, it's funny to laugh at, but there are times when it's like, you're stuck in your head and the same thought keeps repeating and you really feel like you can't get out. Like I call it's yes. like a cute depression, right? It's like when yeah. it's like, it's, it feels like it's like, um, It's like literally like you're being stabbed. It's not like this constant thing where you're like, oh, I'm just going to be depressed for a while. It's like, no, right now I'm so depressed. I I can't move. I don't know what to do. You're actually
2: trapped in a loop. And that's like a weird thing that I've also noticed with me and sleep is like, I, if I'm depressed, I'll be very tired, but I won't be able to get to sleep. Like, yeah, like I'm tired all day. But when it's time to go to sleep, it's just like whatever my like, negative thought pattern is, is just like running and running and it's really hard to actually sleep in a restful way. What do you
1: do if you're in that, uh, you get stuck in that now? Do you have like a ritual or or yes. it's just like, I'll just cry it out?
2: Um, I have a yoga nidra like tape, which is oh. like a guided sleep meditation that What's I it like. Called? It's called yoga nidra. It's oh, like, okay. um, it's like a guided meditation. It's a, it's like a type of yoga, I guess, but it's not like, you're not doing anything physically it's like a guided meditation Mm -hmm. type thing so i have that i do i mean i have like a low level xanax prescription that if like if it's really bad i will take it so that i'll be like i'm gonna go to sleep yeah Um,
1: sometimes i'll uh take an edible just to calm
2: down but yeah like like I, i don't do that all the time because i actually mostly (laughs) have the prescription to fly so i'm like well i need this for the like to fly sure yeah but if i'm like if i'm really anxious and i know that i'm like i'm just not gonna get to sleep and i can't really afford to do that i'll like pop half of one just so that i'll actually sleep
1: yeah i've taken melatonin too and which is like i think a little more easy yeah it's not prescription it's more it's like in the vitamin aisle yeah
2: i'll do like a z quill oh, also yeah. doesn't work for me Z-quil it gives moment. me such weird dreams really yeah that's interesting
1: it keeps me in that half awake state having very weird dreams. weird it gives dreams me sleep paralysis yeah
2: that's interesting oh my god sleep paralysis <laughs> that's a, like real fear that i have my parents have both gotten it twice and they're both related both okay Both of my parents have had two paranormal experiences together. And during both of those. Wait, like the same
1: one at the same time? Yes,
2: And during both of those experiences, they both got sleep paralysis. And it's the only time either of them have ever gotten it whoa yeah i mean can their, you talk about it yeah this is like uh, this is like our family ghost like story okay. so i mean i we've had ghost stories on here that are like well that's psycho but um okay so one the first one is that my parents were going on their like 10th honeymoon or whatever 10th honeymoon yeah like the, this a
1: th- i mean i'm seeing this like you guys go to therapy your parents do this so they have a very healthy way of like communicating yes. their love i mean
2: they do they do and they don't they definitely have their issues but they were going on their like Whatever, it was like their 10-year anniversary, so they did like a honeymoonish oh, okay. trip. Oh, I thought you yeah. meant
1: like they went on 10 honeymoons. No, and I was no, like, wow. I, they
2: called it, they, that's what they call <laughs> it, but it's just but like a honeymoon that you do gotcha. for the, your 10th anniversary. So anyway, they went and they went to, this is when they were living out here, so they, um, I guess they, I think they were like driving and like maybe they were going to Sedona. I'm not sure exactly uh-huh. what they were doing. But they ended up staying at this hotel that was like famously haunted. And they were like, well, they, my parents love that kind of stuff. So they were like, okay, cool. We'll like stay at the haunted hotel. And um, they ended up having like a lot of weird experiences at the hotel. Like it's like standard ghostly stuff, you yeah. know, closing a window and then the window opens again. Things are moved around the room, et cetera. So it's a stan- your your standard haunted uh-huh. hotel fair. But the big thing that happened is that the – Last night that they stayed there after they had been having kind of like all these weird experiences, they both got sleep paralysis, which neither of them had ever gotten before, and both of them imagined that there was a woman in a blue hat sitting on the end of their bed, and both of them had the same exact like sleep paralysis experience. And when they were finally able to wake up, which they both woke up at the same time, they were both like, they they were like, did this just happen to you? And they like both of their stories. No, they just because it was like that, like they both had this like sleep paralysis feeling of like they were awake, but they couldn't move or whatever. But they just like felt that this presence was like on the end of the bed. Whoa. That's um, creepy. So that's so that's the first one. And then you have to fast forward literally like maybe 30 years into uh-huh. the future, because this first story happened before I was born. And this next story happened when I was like in college. Mm-hmm. My parents are at our family home and which is in Virginia, kind of like not far from the Dallas airport. Uh-huh. So they get a call from an old friend who's like, "My wife's flight has been grounded at Dallas. I know we haven't seen each other in a while, but like, can my wife come stay at your place? She's like trapped at Dallas, and they're not going to fly her out to the morning." So my parents are like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." This woman comes over. And she proceeds to tell them that, like, she was having she was having this fun vacation, whatever. It was all good. But that um, her and her friends, like they were in like Mexico or something Uh and they stumbled into some like area that they weren't supposed to be in. And she was like, maybe like, I don't know if it was like sacred area or whatever. I think we've got like a kind of like an Indian burial ground moment happening And she was like, "Wherever ever ever since we went there, we've had bad luck, and like our tires blew out, and my flight has been canceled, and like just we've had bad luck every ever since then." And my parents were like, "Oh, that's weird." So this woman goes to sleep in our basement. My dog, who we had for fifteen years, who always my dog always slept on his bed, which was at the top of our stairs in front of my parents' bedroom, Uh for this night and this night only. In the entire time that we had him, he stood in front of the door to the basement all night and did not like di- like didn't go to sleep just like paced in front of the door of the basement growled at the door of the basement all that stuff and my parents both got sleep paralysis <laughs> that's so creepy <laughs> and then she left the next day and like they they don't know What the deal was, but like both of them got sleep paralysis again. Saw her again. Exactly. Yeah, that's well, that's how like they end it. But I'm like, I think Uh you guys are being dramatic. But I I hope she made it home okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's (laughs) so that's like that's those are our two ghost stories, and they're like tied because it's all my parents getting sleep paralysis. I mean,
1: I believe in a little bit of that stuff. I I don't know. I mean, the unknown is unknown, right? I don't know if it's ghosts or if it's energy. I definitely believe in things manifesting, especially anxiety. Like when my grandma was really anxious in Taiwan. Because um, my grandpa was sort of on his deathbed mm-hmm. and very sick. And, you know, they're very codependent. She, uh, my sister thought the house was haunted. And then even we have a friend who s- says he can see ghosts. And mm-hmm. when he came over, he was like immediately like, is there a ghost here? Yeah. Um, but then when, um, like, when she, lo- I, can't, I don't remember if it was like she left the house. Or I think maybe my dad moved in for a bit to take care of my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, go- quote, unquote, ghost went away. Um, and it's, like, possible it was. To my, my friend who's very superstitious was, was like, oh, it's because your dad's the man of the house and he came over and then the ghost was like, okay, I'm leaving. The ghost was like,
2: I respect But also this.
1: it's like, I think my grandma was very anxious of being alone. Yeah. And like that energy can manifest. I into, agree like,
2: with that. That like, that seems very, that seems interesting to me. Isn't that kind of like the, the moral of like Babadook? It's like her anxiety don't of motherhood. I can't like, watch scary
1: movies. Yeah, I didn't watch that, but I know uh, uh, my dog... The other day when I was having like a very anxious moment, like started just be shivering and just sticking his tongue out a lot, which is like a thing dogs do when they're anxious. Mm-hmm. And I got very nervous for him. And I was like, oh, no. Sometimes I joke he can see ghosts, but it's probably because yeah. I'm anxious.
2: And yeah, it's like is he is sees my you. <laughs> like he sees your anxiety He's like moment happening. haunting the house, t- mom. <laughs> like, That's stop. so I like I I believe in that very. Like, I like the idea that it's, like, kind of, like, manifested energy yeah. and stuff. It's hard to say, right?
1: It. Because then there's the other camp that's, like, oh, you're anxious because there's a ghost. And yeah. Like, that's also true. I don't know, true. man. It could be well, both. What came who first? Knows? <laughs> the ghost or the anxiety? It <laughs> could be either. Like, who really Truly. knows? It's easier to uh, believe that it's outside of my control. Yes. So, it is. But <laughs> And then something's trying to, like, it, yeah, it's yeah. easier to
2: be, like well there's a ghost than it is to be like okay well I have anxiety that's like creating all of this energy yeah. and like now I have to deal with my anxiety if there's a ghost it's like well there's just a ghost it's like um your crocodile dream um, yes in a
1: way it's like even though it was scary and all like outside fear you were putting a little parameter on it you're like if i don't move i won't get eaten yes and so it, you're kind of like putting this like parameter that you can con- understand and control yeah exactly Even though it was just general anxiety probably that was you know as a kid you don't know how to process that exactly
2: so it's like it makes more it's as a kid it makes more sense for it to be a ghost than it is for it to be like that i have an anxiety disorder that I need to like deal with and like I need to like slow down and do breathing exercises (laughs)
1: like yeah I'm trying to get better at meditating I don't really do it a lot um and I kind of like went through this like uh illusion that I had like cured my depression Mm -hmm. for no reason at all (laughs) (laughs) except that I had just not felt it for a while and then just like I just convinced myself that I had talked my way out of it. Yeah. Um, But then when it came back, it was like very acute. And then I was like really stuck in it. And it's even better now. Like I think I'm still in and out of it sometimes, but like now it's not acute. Obviously I'm talking to you. Yeah. When it was really bad, I was just like, I can't stop crying. But it felt like for the first time I felt like, oh, I separated myself from the depression.
2: Yeah. That happens to me definitely this last time that I was feeling really depressed. I was at least able to be like, Oh, you're really depressed.
1: Yeah, it, that's the crazy thing. And it's that's like, progress. Even though I felt it, and I was like, I don't want to do. I hate myself. I want to die. But it was like, this is the depression talking. And even though yeah. I, I need to figure out how to like get to the next moment because it feels like so impossible, I also know that any like negative thought I have is yes, it's just that. Depression. It's it's so weird because it's like it took a lot of work to get there. Like I don't think uh, it's as easy as telling yourself it's depression. Cause, yeah. You know, sometimes you just like you feel a lot of pain, and the pain is real. That's the yes. thing. The pain you feel is real. Just because the thoughts aren't real, like yeah, the, the, actual, mean the pain's not actual yeah,
2: the actual discomfort and like distress that it's causing you is yeah. definitely real. So yeah, I mean, it's hard, but but at least being able to step outside of yourself for that one second to like label what's happening has been. Helpful. That's been helpful with anxiety, too, because going going back to like all the sleep stuff, I think when I was younger, I just didn't know how to like label my anxiety, label Uh what was going on. I just was like, oh, everyone spends every single minute like feeling it like they're completely in a panic. And then it's (laughs) like, like that's how it is. And it's like, no, you don't have to feel that way. You need to learn to chill.
1: What do you think you'll do if you like have a kid and are you still going to have this blanket?
2: That's what I always wonder about is I've I've been thinking a lot more about like the fate of the blanket because now it also has all these shirts on it that I want to remember. Do you
1: still feel the same attachment or is it more like symbolic? Like, could you if someone was like, you need to get rid of this, would you be like,
2: I can put it in a corner? I would be sad to get rid of it and I think I would like miss having it on my bed at night to like Mm -hmm. hold and stuff like even when I've been on this vacation I'm like damn it would be great to have my blanket but (laughs) (laughs) it would be great if she was here but um so it does have a gender it is yes she she she's a female (laughs) uh but yeah it like I've I've actually been thinking a lot more about like if I would maybe like fold it up and put it away. I think I probably will always have it or give it to your kid and start the cycle all over. But there's like, yeah, exactly. Give it to my baby. And there's like, just like sad music plays while the baby starts (laughs) like rubbing the ends. Um, but I think, I mean, there's a world where I would maybe fold it up and like put it away somewhere, but I kind of feel like it might just always be on the end of my bed. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and that's okay. Yeah.
2: I'm Uh, just like, as long
1: as it's not a, uh, a coping mechanism as long as now it's just sentimental yes
2: I do think um it was making our bed kind of hot so we had to like <laughs> we had to like rearrange it that way because it's kind of like a heavy weird blanket now because of all the t-shirts so um now I just kind of like hold on to it and it actually like is not really on the bed I literally just hold on to it oh while, while you sleeping. sleep mm-hmm. even when
1: your boyfriend's there yeah okay so he, he doesn't th- he's not a surrogate Stand in no, for the blanket?
2: he doesn't. He serves a different purpose than the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I need both of them in tandem to get my full <laughs> night's sleep. Um, but yeah, he doesn't mind it. He's just like, keep it off of me because it's hot. <laughs>
1: That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank um, you for letting me
2: get it off my chest.
1: I actually, I have a listener confession. We have this mm-hmm. voicemail that people very rarely call i encourage them to call it if you want mm-hmm. to call by the way it's three two three three eight eight three five two one um but sometimes we do get messages and i have one today Ooh. but it's actually ki- i didn't know what you were going to confess and it's um kind of related it's oh, about wow. it's about a dream so i mean it's related to sleep yeah. it's 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 not it's like a sleep blanket thing. but uh, it's a little long and i and then it kind of cuts off at the end so i might edit it down but i'll just play the whole thing okay it's great like three minutes and uh and then we'll talk about it cool And I'm going to blank out the name, but it's going to play right now. Okay.
3: Hi, Teresa. My name's Tony. Uh, I've been a fan of your work for a couple of years, and uh, today I have a confession. I think if you want to use it on the podcast or talk about it, that's great, but it is about a dream I had last night, so if it's a little too dumb, that's fine, too. Uh, So, at... 6.21 a.m. this morning, I woke up after having the worst nightmare of my life. This is unusual because during the last four years or so, I have rarely had any dreams at all. The last dream I had that ever came close to being this bad was a case of pretty severe sleep paralysis uh, in 2010. (laughs) So I have a short list of close friends slash confidants uh, with whom i would normally discuss something like this but i spent a few minutes thinking about it and i realized that for one reason or another i don't feel comfortable discussing this dream with any of them at least not yet so it started out as the best halfway dream i've ever had uh, i met We cannot think of Ariana Grande. I know. <laughs> we had a lot in common with each other, and we became fast friends. And after a little bit of time, the dream continued Uh, Ariana could not stand to be in the same room as me no matter how many other people were present
1: He, the next sentence he says gets cut off, so I'm going to stop it right there. Wow. Um, he the I think the beginning of the sentence, he starts to be like, I think it might be, and then he cuts off, but it's okay. I don't know much about this person, but I yeah. mean, there's a lot here that... Um, so
2: much to unpack. Yeah. Well, Ariana definitely represents something in his life.
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. My first thought is, uh, well, obviously, we're talking about anxiety. My first thought is... There's a lot of anxiety about not wanting to cross a boundary. I think. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a specific person in his mind. It seems like if he doesn't know who, who it is right away, it might not be a person. Yeah. It could be, and I know nothing about you. Um. So, but so I don't know. You know, in your life, it, if it's work related or person related, or if you've been honestly even like thinking about the Me Too movement or whatever, I'm feeling yeah. bad for people and being worried you're gonna cross a line because a lot of um
2: the narratives we're being told
1: is that people don't know they're crossing a the line
2: yeah uh, i mean i think that's a very real fear that people have that comes from a genuine place i like i feel like whoever because he said that ariana is someone that he doesn't know personally but he, he likes and admires well
1: he wants her respect so yeah it seems and then he felt very sad when he lost it even though he didn't in the dream didn't do anything wrong.
2: Yeah. So I feel like I wonder if Ariana is representing some aspect of his life where he's like yeah. not feeling where he feels like he's not fulfilled and he doesn't know why or whatever that he like something that he's like something that, that maybe isn't panning out the way he wanted it to. And, he's a con- and it's confusing and painful as to why. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's that totally scans. It feels like the again, going back to control. I think a lot of times in our dreams, feel things are a little clearer than they are in real life um but the f- what's clearer isn't the narrative what's clear is the feeling it's,
2: yeah it know. seems like he had very intense emotions during this dream yeah. which is which is interesting i've had a couple of dreams in my life where like yeah something like physically scary didn't happen but i had very intense emotions during it and yeah. it like did it feel more clear or more confusing I remember just any times that any that it's happened, it's felt like honestly the most like pure, like mm-hmm. raw, uncut version of the emotion. Like so I, I remember when me and my college boyfriend broke up. Yeah. I would have these intensely emotional dreams about him either like really sad ones where we were something like really sad. Like I was like watching him like get married to someone else. Like these, like oh, they man. were like highly dramatic wow. dreams and I'm not really someone who has a ton of dreams. So this like stuck out to me this way or yeah. I would dream that we were back together and I would really feel like so intensely the like relief and the happiness that yeah. we've gone back together and then I would wake up and it was like that classic. Oh no. It was so, I was like, I didn't, it was such a like, intense thing that I was like, I didn't realize that this actually happens. I thought that this was just, like, from... Yeah. Mov- like, that this is just a thing that happens in movies where you dream that you're back together and then you wake up and you're sad. But it was, like, <laughs> happening to me every day. But it's not
1: <laughs> really... Because then when I think
2: about it, it's not always at face value. It's not that you necessarily
1: want to be together. Um, it's that you're, like, anxious about uh, losing something. Yeah, And so- I was
2: just... Uh, I... I was just, like, really surprised when he broke up. This was, like, one of those Right, because it's end. a lack
1: of closure. I yeah. mean, that's why,
2: like... I mean, I just got my breakup
1: and my... I had a dream after it, and it made me feel like... This is why I feel like more closure, even though I'm, like, very, very sad about it. Uh, and it's, like, a very intense sadness, but it's, like, a sadness of, like, knowing it's time to move on. Yeah. And it's not a sadness of uh, feeling like there's no closure. And this dream I had... I can't remember the specifics. (laughs) Weirdly enough, it was like set in like a JFL audition, which has (laughs) nothing to do with anything. Maybe like, I don't know, maybe because we've talked about it before. But in the dream, it was like this, uh, I had like messed up something. But then uh, weirdly had a conversation with my ex uh, not like from a long time ago that I don't think about or talk to anymore. He mm-hmm. just resurfaced. So I think it was like also a way
2: of being like, this is over. Like, yeah, no, you're remember, of yeah, remember, like how there have been people who've come into your life yes. and they've mattered so much to you. And then like now you don't talk to them. And like if they pop up in your dream, it's weird.
1: Like, yeah, well, I had a conversation with my ex about my relationship and I remember walking away being like, I feel OK, even though I was sad. And that's it's weird because I didn't feel OK when I went to sleep. Yeah. But when, but in my dream, I had <laughs> an okay moment. But then it did help because I woke up and I was like, well, if that's, like, possible, even in this, like, fake version of life, then yeah. it must be possible in real life.
2: That's nice. I feel like I don't help myself in dreams enough. <laughs> like, I don't, like, provide myself with good. If you yeah. meditate, I mean, well, you do meditate. But me- I think A little bit. Helps but I not- think get you there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I will put on, like, meditation stuff to go to sleep. But I am not, like, consistently trying to meditate I'll do it like on a plane or sometimes yeah. when I'm sometimes when I'm taking a bath I'll do it
1: I used to have the dreams that were like irrational fears like I would have dreams that everyone on my improv team who I like wasn't mm-hmm. in a fight with and was perfectly fine with would just suddenly start talking about me and yeah. then like to my face be like you're not cool yeah then I'd wake up and be like oh this must just be my anxiety but it felt so real that I would wake up being like this person hates me and it's my it's like a psychic me telling me that they hate me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's um, I have the like the act, the one that's called like the actor's dream all the time, oh, which no. is the one where it's always that I'm back at my high school theater and I'm starring in in the play. Uh huh. Um, but I have no idea what the play is, and I I don't I've never heard of it. And they're like, you're on in five minutes, and everyone seems to think uh-huh. that we've been rehearsing and doing all this stuff, and I have no fucking clue what anybody's talking about, and. For some reason, it's always is like, well, I have to go out and do it. So I'm, I'm always trying to fig- like read the script really fast and try to figure out what the play is about so that I can. Like, yeah. Oh, my it. God. Literally. Yeah. I ha- I've had that uh, many times
1: in different iterations where it's like, yeah, stand up. Usually it's stand up. But
2: um, yeah, also- it's like you have to make something up on the spot for some because obviously yeah. in real life, I would be like, hey, guys, I'm clearly having some kind of a, a psychotic episode. I can't remember <laughs> any of the rehearsals for this play. I have no idea how I got here. Like, right, but you just think you have to go through with it. Yeah, but in the dream, you're like, no, you have to go out and you have to do the play. And I had a
1: good dream the other day where uh, I was at a pool party but it was like sometimes like it's different than just there's dreams where it's like it's a dream it's good or bad and then there's dreams where it feels like we're talking about like these emotions that Mm -hmm. are like it's getting through to something deeper this was one of those and i had all these people around that i like liked and was cool and i remember the feeling i jumped i went i saw the pool like on on site i jumped immediately into it and the water was warm oh that's nice yeah and i was like well i think water means something in dreams and what I thought it meant was just that, like, I just was, like, ready to just jump into something scary that I didn't know, um, and it would be rewarding. So yeah, I was like, that, and everyone cheered.
2: Nice. That's nice. See, I feel like I don't have symbolic enough dreams, but I also have heard that smoking weed makes you have, like, <laughs> less dreams. So.
1: But, that, but that's okay, because you're probably doing the work in real life. Like, yeah. I don't really think dreams are um, psychic or anything. I yeah. think they're just telling you what you really feel, which could feel like psychic, because it's, like, if you if it was uh, so subconscious that you didn't even know it, it could feel like you're actually learning something. Yeah. But it's been there all along. Yes. Anyways, for this guy, it feels like, I think you just need to work on your boundaries. Um, I think whoever this person represents, uh, what's clear here is that there are boundaries being crossed or that you think you're crossing. So if you're afraid you're crossing boundaries and it's just about making things more clear, uh, even if you don't really think you're doing anything wrong. Um, and obviously I don't think it's specific to like sexual stuff, Yeah, you know,
2: uh, but I think uh, it's maybe manifesting that way in this dream because it's in the zeitgeist of things that happen. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily about that.
1: And I also think the narrative we're told by men who have done bad things is that they didn't know, but more often than not they did. So if you're in a position where you're not sure, um and you're even having that question you're probably doing all the right things like you're asking Mm -hmm. along yeah it's like
2: good that you're like you're nervous and you're having a dream where you're like oh man i would never want to hurt somebody like that's good yeah
1: that (laughs) that anxiety is uh, a good sign uh but do but the anxiety itself is not good but uh, you're probably the person underneath is probably
2: good intention it's like i read this article about how you know how like sometimes you will have crazy thoughts of like oh like what if i just drove my car into yes. traffic or whatever when you the jumping effect right? yes yeah. and that's actually supposed to be like healthy because it's your brain just like making wild suggestions and then you shooting them down and it's like yes. actually a healthy exercise it's
1: why people want to jump when they're standing on the edge of a cliff because it's yeah it's telling you like don't jump yeah but jump is a possibility, so now you know not to do it. Yeah, you're like
2: preoccupied with jump because jump would be a really bad idea, actually. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, something to think about. Um, Where can people find you, Elise? Um, Oh Gosh, you can find me um, on Twitter. I'm at Elise Navidad. That's (laughs) A-L-I-S-E-N-I-V-I-D-A-D. And on Instagram, I'm Pandalise. That's P-A-N-D-A-L-I-S-E. And I write the Betches SUP newsletter. So if you want to get news from me, you can go to betches.co slash SUP sign up. And then like you'll get the news every day. And I try to do it in a funny way. That's fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Yeah, Um, this is so much fun. Thank you for hearing
1: my confession. You can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod um, and follow me at Larissa T. Bye, guys. Bye.